passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Well, all right. The Bite Me Podcast is on the air. I'm done with my day job. We're already getting texts about the the Verlander trade. Maybe we'll mention it or two, a, a time or two here. Two of the biggest Astros fans I know are, stand, are sitting across from me. That would be Captain Scott Null and Captain Dean Thomas. I believe uh, our guy Caleb uh, McCumber is offshore today looking for some jacks, isn't he, Scott? Don't know what the hell he's looking for, actually. I'm looking <laughs> at Amber Jacks, but they may just leave him out there on a rig somewhere. Well, yeah, they might. Uh, they, they, they might. <laughs> he gets to irritate them too much. They just set him off on a rig. Say, we'll be back later. It's pretty deep out there, you know that. <laughs> it's pretty deep out there. Man, Dean was telling me some of his stories when he was going out to the rigs when we were talking last weekend. We'll get to that one day uh, because it's pretty dang interesting, swinging off of ropes to get onto those things <laughs> and everything else. We'll get to that one day, but today is not that day. Uh, Captain Scott uh, Null, Captain Dean Thomas, this is the Bite Me Podcast. We'll get the particulars out of the way, and then we'll get to it. Great questions and a little insight on uh, the uh, – on uh, the the feeding frenzy uh, that was coming up a week from Saturday. Uh, and it seems like it's going to be pretty dang big and pretty dang wild. We'll get to that in a second. But don't forget to uh, join the Bite Me group page if you haven't already. Uh, it's where we get a lot of these questions, where you get a lot of answers even without us because everybody uh, participates in that community. And, of course, subscribe uh, wherever you get your, uh, your podcasts, uh, wherever it is, uh, from iTunes to Spotify and everything in between. Uh, you can get the podcast here. But uh, let's dig in. Uh, and I want to start with this because we have so many listeners uh, that are joining us now live uh, on the on the group, on uh, the YouTube channel. And we also have uh, so many thousands of listeners on a weekly basis uh, that join us uh, via the, the podcast. Uh, so the Bite Me Feeding Frenzy is a week from Saturday. <clears throat> a lot of people, I want to I make note of a couple things. And then you guys can just uh, jump in and weigh in. As we go along with any thoughts you might have, but uh, the well, the one thing I want to uh, emphasize here is this is kind of a I hate saying this, but two pronged. <laughs> that sounds so like weird, but it's a two pronged event that we're having. Number one is listener appreciation. Uh, we've been doing this now. What was it? 2018, Scott. Uh, we started 2017, so. 2018. Um, we started this thing. 
thousands and thousands of listeners, thousands and thousands of downloads. And we were chatting. I'm like, I just want to do something, you know, just a, a listener appreciation thing. So many fantastic uh, friends and partners have joined in to help us pay for the food. So we're going to pay for the food. If, you're, if this is the first you're hearing about the feeding frenzy, it's a, it's a tagged post. It's a pinned post on our uh, group page on Facebook. Just search Bite Me Fishing and you'll find it. Uh, the Boat Yard, Freedom Boats, Anglers Anonymous, Wade Wright, Laguna Rods. I hope I'm, I'll get to some of the others if I'm uh, forgetting them here. Obviously, Fishing Tackle Unlimited uh, has been a huge, huge uh, advocate and uh, uh, supporter of the podcast they're in to help pay for the food for you guys. So we got your food covered, I think. <laughs> We're going to have a ton of people show up. I might be digging into my own pocket a little bit, but that's all right. That's what it's for. It's a listener appreciation event. And then I want to get to this because the second prong is a fundraiser uh, for uh, for Texas Boys Outdoors. And I'm going to share a text message. I don't think uh, Roy will mind Roy Crush from uh, Texas Boys Outdoors because this is what it's all about, man. I mean, I was going to go pick up some stuff from him for uh, the feeding frenzy. Um, and he said, uh, yeah, he was going to try to meet me at Anglers Anonymous to pick up uh, some of the stuff. But this is the text he said he sent. I'm supposed to take out uh, a Shriners burn patient that didn't get cleared to go last week. I'll take him out either Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, I won't know until the doctor tells me tomorrow late morning. If that doesn't work out, I'll try to go out there Thursday and help us. I mean, this is what Texas Boys Outdoors does every single week. Uh, first responders, patients that are having a hard time uh, getting around. And so I say all that. To say this, we are going to have raffles and silent auctions and maybe even a live auction. We'll, we'll decide on that here in the next day or so. So we're going to take care of your food. You're going to take care of your drinks and bring some money uh, because uh, the, we're gonna, the raffles are going to be fantastic. Let me go through them right here. And it's all for a fantastic cause. Texas Boys Outdoor. I might have to take a deep breath here. But these are the things that are going to be up for raffle and silent auction. Two Arctic coolers customized with the Bite Me logo on top of the cooler. They are badass. Uh, that came from Rico over at Arctic. Two green rods uh, and a bunch of swag from Fishing Tackle Unlimited. Thank you to Emily Besser, who was my uh, my uh, contact there. Two Madre slings and a bunch of swag from Wade Wright, Jason Law, and Tim Stamps. Thank you. Uh, really big knock and tail lures uh, swag bags, several of them, uh, courtesy of our friend uh, Micah Krulik. Two Boga grips from Mike Butler over at Anglers Anonymous. A bunch of swag, T-shirts, bait towels, all kinds of goodies from the boat yard, JT Koshi and Jake Koshi. Two custom rods, and get this, a 6'4 lattice and a 6'2 trident from Laguna Rods. Uh, shout out to, to them over there. With, the rods are going to have a customized Bite Me logo on them. So they're going to be truly two of a kind. Uh, the only two out there in existence. Uh, six lose reels, shirts, gear, uh, including we're going to be giving away a, a lose reel every hour on the hour while we're there uh, from Roy Crush and, and, and lose, of course. And this is a cool one. It's a listener. It's a bite me listener who wanted to be a part, wanted to help raise some money uh, for Texas boys outdoor outdoors. And you, if you don't think I'm going to be putting some tickets in on this, you got another thing coming, a bourbon box. Now the bourbon box is an assortment of high end bourbons. Uh, shout out to Dusty Hannah. One of our loyal listeners said, man, I just want to help. And so apparently he has some connection or maybe he bought them. Uh, and it's going to be several high-end bourbons that he's going to donate. OG sauce. I'm going to throw in some OG sauce and some T-shirts for some of the 
uh, raffles, and then a huge assortment of lures. And this is another interesting one, very impressive, from thecoastaladdiction.com in College Station. Our guy, Justin Livingston, big-time listener, uh, said, I, I got to be a part of it. Uh, assortment of lures, stinky pants gear, wading boxes, and a, lo a lot more also, courtesy of stinky pants. Uh, then an assortment of goodies from Freedom Boats. You know, Chet Moore and Pootie's always going to be a part of uh, the Bite Me podcast. A bunch of swag and gear from Shimano. Shout out to Hughes Andre and Shimano for that. And then there's a custom aluminum 12-rod fishing rod holder from BS Outdoors, uh, which is going to be badass also. Two guided fishing trips in the Galveston Bay area. Uh, a South Jetty cooler filled with uh, a bunch of swag and lures, et cetera. And I'm sure we're going to have some more, but uh, come on out. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a nice big crowd. And, uh, of course, all the captains are there talking fishing. So as we talk fishing uh, and have all this cool stuff, uh, you're going to be able to mix and mingle with other Bite Me listeners. You're going to be able to mix and mingle with Captain Scott, Captain Dean, Captain Caleb, myself, um, and uh, all kinds of stuff, all for a good cause. Uh, there's not really a question there, Dean, but uh, it is, I want to Scott last because uh, Scott and I kind of had this crazy idea. And I will tell this story now. I'll probably tell it again when I introduce Scott at the, uh, at the, at the feeding frenzy. When I asked him, and, and, and I brought up the topic of we should do a, a podcast, he looked at me, very agreeable, and said, what's a podcast? <laughs> so we've gone to from what's a podcast to all kinds of this, uh, all, all of this stuff that we're doing now. He's like, sure, yeah, what's a podcast? But Dean, uh, no real question there, but it's going to be pretty dang cool. I know you guys, Carrie's going to come help. By the way, I've already recruited her, even though she doesn't know it, uh, to come help. Uh, Camille, Scott as well. Uh, Camille's going to come if she's not out of town working. Uh, I've already recruited her. All my kids are going to be there helping. A lot of volunteers from Texas Boys Outdoor. But your thoughts first, Dean. No, it's going to be awesome. I, with all the people that are coming, I think I'm going to pack me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich because uh, make sure that... <laughs> Everybody that else I eats. Something, I get <laughs> something to eat. No, I and, will take no, care I've, of this. I've talked to a lot of uh, my friends and everybody from Houston, of course. A um, bunch of old-time fishing buddies from way back in the day are going to be there. Um, people are traveling from all over. It, it's going to be a great event, man. The prize list is amazing. I mean, um, it's crazy how um, generous the people have been. It's a great cause. And so, yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to meeting everybody. It's going to be That's a busy thing, weekend, right? but it's always fun. And Scott, you've gone from what's a podcast to uh, the focal point of uh, our, our big uh, our big event a week from Saturday. See, I was ahead of my time, though, because I asked you, what time does this thing come on? Well, see, now <laughs> we, have <a> <laughs> we do have a time that we come on. We do now. <laughs> it was a little bit fluid at first. It was yeah. a little bit fluid at first. Oh. I think our first no, I, podcast had uh, 20 something uh, 20 something downloads. Dang. <laughs> now we're at 490,000 a year. Yep. But it's cool, Scott, it's and I know a lot of people want to meet you as much as anybody. Uh, I in the beginning of it honestly when you threw this out at me, I thought, yeah, well, you know, it'll go 6 months and we'll run out of stuff to talk about and people get tired <laughs> of listening to us and then we'll move on, we'll do something else. I had yeah. no idea it was going to turn into this. Uh, it's and really it's cool. credit to the listeners. 
Yeah. And yeah, yeah, that's what that. I was going to say, man. It's a credit to the listeners because their topics provide conversation. I mean, and that's kind of what we're here for. Um, yeah. Well, I get people all the time that say, you know, tell me who turned them on to it. You know, so-and-so turned me on to it. So-and-so turned me on to it. And that's how we've grown is just listeners telling other people about it. And then they become listeners and some of them have become really good friends along the way. It's pretty cool. And yeah. it is a credit to the listeners because John makes this handy dandy list for us. And um, <laughs> we we use the listeners um, of, of suggestions probably more than the 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 what do they call you? What are you on this thing, John? What, what is what are we what is your position here? I am the uh, the host and uh, founder, host. I guess. I don't know. The, uh, the host? <laughs> yeah. The upper left corner. <laughs> yeah yeah the guy in the in the upper left corner is, is who i am uh but uh, we're excited uh, we'll probably shut it down tuesday or wednesday so we can get an accurate head count last i looked we're going to be pushing 180 probably going to be over 200 by the time uh it comes so again shout out to everybody uh, all our friends and, and partners uh that have uh, donated uh, to take care of the food i do want to say this real quick um the uh, uh, Chet Morampudi over at Freedom Boats. I also wanted to mention this because I didn't. I mentioned it last week and I didn't. The Freedom Boats tournament is September 23rd, and uh, you can go to freedomboatsusa.com uh, to, uh, uh, to to register for that. I'm going to be in the tournament because I'm not a professional captain, so uh, I'm going to see what I can do. I was kind of embarrassed myself last year, but uh, that's okay. This, this is another year. Also, uh, the the two of our uh, our partners that are donating here, Knock and Tail and Wade Wright, I always want to mention this. They're big friends, as you can see by their involvement here. Uh, to use that Bite Me 20 uh, code to get 20% off, uh, hopefully you'll win some stuff and uh, you'll be hooked and you'll be able to buy some more. Knock and Tail and the Wade Wright Bite Me combo. The Wade Wright Bite Me combo, you get 20% off with Bite Me 20 at CoastalFishingGear.com. Knock and Tail, uh, you use the Bite Me 20 combo at KnockandTailLures.com. And you get 20% off. And uh, it's stuff that I use. It's stuff that we use. Uh, uh, just a little bit uh, behind the curtain type stuff here. Um, we get a lot of people uh, coming at us, uh, coming at me uh, with uh, wanting us to, to support and endorse their products. That's not something we just say yes to. That's something we have to try. That's something that we'll uh, have to uh, believe in. Uh, so everything that's going to be in the raffle is, uh, is stuff that we use and is really, really good. I see Camille Knoll uh, behind Scott. Camille, you have been volunteered, if you're not out of town, uh, to be a part uh, of the, <laughs> of the uh, it's just like the Army, man. <clears throat> uh, I need three. I need a volunteer. <laughs> you. You're the volunteer. You're one of the volunteers. Uh, but Jan will be there. Carrie will be there. All my kids will be there. And we're going to have a lot of Texas Boys Outdoors people there as well. So, hey, speak, uh, speaking of the feeding frenzy, I just got yeah. a, um, I got a last minute donation from Scott Hodge. He's a, uh, local landscaper here in town he's gonna donate three cardboard palm trees and i will bring them with me i'm writing it down three so thank cardboard. you very much to scott hodge uh palm trees three yeah. cardboard palm trees cardboard palms uh, he's got all kinds of cool little exotic plants he landscapes yards and stuff so um i'm not familiar with it but i bet it's cool i'll bet it's cool too what's the web website give me give me a shout out right now it's a uh, uh, frog and toad landscaping All right, or toad good. and frog or frog and toad. Yeah. <laughs> believe me. The first time I saw the sign, sign that was my exact response. I was like, what? <laughs> and there's probably some kind of a story behind 
frog and toad landscaping. All right. But, uh, yeah, local guy here in Aransas Pass. Cool dude. And, All right. And amazing fisherman and loyal podcast listener. And by the way, we've, we've got people coming from out of town. We, there's posts on the website, on the group page. Hey, man, what are some hotels, you know, that we can stay at? So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot, a lot of fun a week from Saturday for those who are asking here on the live uh, uh, feed on YouTube. All right, let's get to it. Uh, let's get to some fishing. First of all, uh, very impressed. You guys have been uh, doing quite well on the water, Scott. Uh, we're going to get to, obviously, what would Scott do? What would Caleb do for this coming week and weekend? Uh, but catch us up, man. You've been doing a little bit of everything. What do you got there? So I'm going to butt in. Sorry, guys. That's all right. I didn't send this in time for it to make the lineup. Um, we have open registration for the Jim Dolan Memorial Tournament. Okay. Um, so jump in now. It is going to run. Um, I just had the dates in front of me. September. Hang on. Back up. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Edit. Yeah. September yeah. 16th to October 1st. Um, okay. So it's shorter than normal. Normally we run it a month, but this time we're going to do it just a couple of weeks. Um, our very own is our tournament director. So Scott, Scott is a tournament director. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, God bless. God bless those people that are going to be weighing in fish in it, front of Scott. It is <laughs> online national kayak tournament. I'm going to repeat oh, nice. that one more time for the people in the back. Yeah. An online national kayak fishing tournament so you could no matter where you are there is a region for you um there are seven different tournaments for freshwater three or saltwater depends on where you're at all right perfect um where's your proposition i've I've done it every year and it's um it's a great cause and you photo your fish you get points for links southeast region northeast and so yeah, yeah, and it's um, it's pretty cool. I mean, you can catch, you can fish for all of those three weeks, and everything you catch without those three weeks adds up to your total points at the end. Very sweet. You're registered now at a discount. Mm-hmm. So get the early bird discount, and if you can't fish and you don't want to fish, just go online heroesonthewater.org, support us, JDMT tournament, and grab a T-shirt. And where's right. the uh, reg- where's the link to the registration? It's J- uh, support us heroesonthewater.org support us JDMT tournament. You've been seeing some uh, tarpon. You've been catching some fish. Catch us up before we uh, get rolling with some of these questions and topics. Yeah, we finally got a good stretch of weather, man. Uh, it's blowing like hell at night in the southwest. So the water's dirty in the mornings on the beach, but by about 10, 11 o'clock, it starts cleaning up a little bit. Winds have been dropping down to almost nothing. A couple of days there, man, we just wish we had a breeze. I actually started the boat up and just started running so we'd have a breeze. Had an 11-year-old boy hook up, you know, on the tarpon last week. And tons of them over the last few days. I had a kid trip yesterday, so it was more about the kids, and they were younger, and we were throwing shrimp. But while we're throwing shrimp at the rocks, we're watching tarpon roll behind us, and Dad oh, is losing his mind. <laughs> he finally yeah. just grabbed a big rod and started throwing at them. But uh, yeah, we couldn't really concentrate on them. But anyway, it's uh, it's it's summertime, man. It's all on jacks, bull reds. Uh, we had kingfish inside the jetties. I know y'all had them just outside the jetties down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. They were actually in the bay over here in Port O'Connor this past week, jumping completely out of the water, chasing bait. 
I Man. We were watching kingfish missiles just go flying around. It was it's pretty wild. Uh, it it's that time, man. As long as this wind will stay down a little bit, I'd like it if it quit blowing so much at night. But I'm yeah. not going to about it too much because it's the water looked gorgeous, man. The yeah, water looks absolutely gorgeous. Day, so. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Dean, Devin uh, left a message here uh, that uh, you helped him a lot this weekend with some insight on uh, his little adventure down to uh, Ingleside and Aransas Pass, uh, which is a good transition to what you've been catching lately. I will say this on what what Scott said about uh, the, the kingfish jumping out of the water. Uh, one of the ones that we caught uh, this past weekend, uh, the, 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 the bait kind of was started – floating around real quick on top of the water and i thought i got it got twisted and i was about to start reeling it in but no it looked like a kingfish popped it to the top because next thing i know is i'm starting to reel boom i mean he came out of the water and hit that bait again so it's been pretty wild near shore but what else has you been on this week man i've been everywhere this week it's been non-stop action every day i mean i've had guys at the jetties trolling for some kingfish a lot of kids it's been a crazy kid week school's fixing to crank up and for the last seven days i've had kids that are getting ready to go back to school it's father-son trips grandpa with some uh grandkids and we've been everywhere we had just crazy amazing conditions this week we've caught redfish beckle trout um and interesting on those kingfish, you know, we've been trolling a lot. We've been using a lot of lures that go deep. The um, the the X-Wrap, the Rapala X-Wrap, it skips on the surface. It's another one that haven't had out a lot this year just because I've been hitting them on the, uh, the divers. Mm-hmm. But amazing when that thing is skipping across the surface and a kingfish comes up to blow on it. Today, the, um, the blue water is all the way to aransas pass in the channel it is amazing out there this week we've been catching jack crevel out in aransas bay been looking out there tons of skipjacks just thousands of schools of skipjacks and intermingled in those are jack crevel so inside the jetties they're moving in you don't have to go outside every day and if you put some effort into that, you know, even inside the jetties, those kings are going to be there as well. Yeah. But in spite of the heat, we've been catching redfish on the flats. The speckled trout hasn't been. Um, yesterday, I kind of even specifically went to find some trout. And all the spots that I went to throw for trout, we ended up catching gaff top, which was kind of weird. So mm-hmm. I gave up. But, you know, that's normally one of those things where the trout live, you find them. But after about an hour, we just went back to the flats and we picked right back up on redfish where we left off. So um, in spite of the heat, the fishing has been pretty damn good this week. And it has been hot. Perry's asking, uh, well, uh, we're here live. How much line do you let out when you're trolling for king? You know, and, and people ask me that a lot. I've never really like put a lot of attention into measuring it what it is but i just let it run about 
to where it's outside the bubble trail of the the back of the boat just just beyond the bubble trail so if i was going to make an estimate i i mean 50 yards at the most 50 to 70 yards yeah i was going to say maybe a little more and i'm not trying to correct you but i'm just kind of eyeballing what we were doing it seemed like it might have been a little more than 50 maybe closer to 70 somewhere in there uh and scott so, you have any thoughts on that a lot to do with where your rod holders are on your this boat. is true yeah, if you have true. your rods up high, about head high, you're going to run more line out. If your rods are at the bottom of the boat and the line is entering the water closer, you can get away with a lot less. Yeah. So it's kind of specific to each boat and the, the, the position of the tip of the rod, how high it is above the water. What Dean would say, that's what I was about to, about to jump in with. Uh, one of the fun things to do is get, get one of the little surface jellies, you know, little rubber ones. Mm -hmm. and uh, troll it on top just outside your bubbles right in the center yeah, if you got mm -hmm. a center line those are some of the most fun kingfish hits uh, they'll usually come skying out of the out of the water and just look like a silver missile and uh, when they land <laughs> you better be ready because they're going to take <laughs> off yeah i run the x wraps really close to the back of the boat kind of like a teaser <clears throat> you know when you're setting up a trolling rig offshore a whole setup you know, your teaser that's splashing on the surface is usually just beyond the bubble trail. And then the trollers are out, the divers are out beyond that. So, but every boat is different on mine. I have rod holders up high. Then when I put it up behind my seat, I run those out further. I have some down on the floor. I actually added some. One of the problems, one of the things that we talked about is where that line enters the water when you're trolling. The line on the surface creates a bubble trail. When you're around a lot of Spanish mackerel and a lot of little fish, they will hit that bubble trail on the surface. And those teeth are like razor blades. They will cut that braid. You won't even see the rod tip bend. I mean, it's just that quick and easy. So if mm -hmm. you put the rods down low, <clears throat> that line enters the water very close to the boat. If they're up high and that line is making a bubble trail back there in the strike zone, you're more likely to get cut off when it's further back. So, and when I have people on the boat, if the rod is not in a holder and they're actually holding the rod trolling, I tell them to put the rod tip down as low to the water as possible. You so have some rod holders on an angle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and keep, that kinda... keeps them spread out. I mean, that helps. But when we're trolling and so, and it's really cool to hold the rod and feel that fish hit. That is just as, it's hard to duplicate that rush, but to sit there and hold that rod for 30 or 40 minutes if you don't get a strike can be a little tiring so then it's better to put it in a holder but if somebody's holding that rod we put that tip down low so the line enters the water very close to the boat way less likely to get bit off like that yeah i, I got a bite out of that uh while i was holding the rod by accident <laughs> when i thought oh shoot <laughs> It got twisted yeah. up. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Hey, and then there's times when you got one found and you're ripping it in and it's skipping on the surface and then you get you get a reaction like that. So those yeah. things are aggressive and they're fast and they're crazy and they hit anything that's jumping and splashing on the surface. Yeah. All right, let's get to some uh, some other topics from uh, the Bite Me listeners. And this is a question that Scott got, but uh, – uh, I do want to say, uh, because we're a full-service uh, podcast here, uh, Joseph said that uh, his his brother is listening to the show for the first time, and it's his birthday. So happy birthday 
to uh, Jesse D. I didn't tell me a number there, but that's okay. So Scott, uh, you got this. It's a, it's a rather long, lengthy question, so I'm going to get to to uh, the gist of it here. Uh, more or less talking about the factors that can make for a, a good bite shut down. So let me read this part of it. Uh, listener of ours uh, was in Florida, and we have you know shout out to all our listeners all over uh, the country that, that listen to this podcast every every week. On the first two days, we found them in small groups, three or four actively feeding, even though the days were hot and cloudless, uh, and they peaked later in the afternoon on a falling tide, uh, and even finding them tailing. Uh, late in the evening on the second day, and all of the third day, however, lots of cloud cover, a uh, little rain moving in showers, and the conditions seemed absolutely uh, perfect. We assumed this would surely get them chewing, but it actually had the opposite effect. Unable to locate even one single redfish. So, uh, Scott, I won't uh, read the whole question, but you get the gist of it there, and you read the whole question. Good bite when you didn't expect it. Uh, bad bite when it was supposed to be on. Yeah. Welcome to fishing, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did it yesterday. Like I said, I had those kids out there and the tarpon were rolling on an incoming tide, which is backwards and yeah. everything looked great. So I dropped the kids off, dropped the dad off and kicked around the idea. I ate me a Snickers and said, you know what? I'm going to go back out there and catch this outgoing tide. I bet it goes off. Yeah. I got out there. I saw one fish roll. <laughs> on outgoing tide when it should have been absolutely perfect uh it's just fishing man uh and it's it's so hard because you weren't there and you didn't get to see all the all the little small things that were going on you know like what the what the tide was doing those days uh typically yes if if it's hot and you got overcast you got a little rain things are going to pick up it's it's going to oxygenate the water it's going to make things a little cooler this time of year that's that's usually pretty big don't know what his exact factors were that that shut him down. Finding a few fish that were eaten when it was hotter than hell, that's been happening to us as well. But uh, typically they're shutting down my fish anyway. Seen the redfish side seems to be shutting down about 10, 10 30 uh, up in the shallows where I like to pull. The first part of it I would expect, you know, to uh, have them shut down as the day goes on. But to have perfect conditions the next couple of days and not get it. I, that is so hard. It, it could have been a tide related thing. Could have been uh, pressure. You know, was he, was he just pulling into there and there was already been two boats there, that, you know, with the day, right. you know, that morning and already ran them over, uh, blew them up. There's just, there's so many factors out there. The only thing you can do is just keep, keep moving, keep looking and see if you can relocate what you had the day before try the same kind of areas that you were fishing, but away from where you're striking out and look for something similar. If that's not working, then go to something completely different. Say you're fishing on shell, go to some grass. Uh, you're fishing in shallow, go to some drop-offs. If one's not working, you got to sometimes just take a swing for the fences and see what happens. See, Dean, uh, <laughs> what what you guys are doing here on a day, on a weekly basis is trying to help uh, our, our listeners, fishermen, fisherwomen, uh, to put the odds in their favor. But just because the odds are in your favor, you don't know everything that's going on that's affecting well, it, like Scott, like Scott just said. A big part of the fun of this game that we play is thinking that we can figure it out and thinking that um, we understand the program to a point where you can go out there and explain it. And every single day, you go try to figure it out. 
I have, <laughs> I tell people all the time that I think I'm the biggest fishing genius that ever lived, but the fish don't know who I, mean, I think I am. <laughs> <laughs> and so well, the fish don't you'll, know have that. A, you'll have a grand plan in your head when you take off in the morning. I mean, I, I go through this thought process like daily, man. And I hit that end of that channel and you look at the wind and you look at the sky and you look at the tide and sometimes you shift gears immediately and, you know, try something different. And throughout the day, it's constantly trying to figure it out. Plan A, if it works out, oh, man, you're a hero. You're just out there tearing <laughs> you're a them genius. up. genius. I got it but, figured out. And then, you know, we go to plan B and C and we go deep into the alphabet sometime. Um, but... <laughs> Part of the okay, let's go to plan G. Let's go. <laughs> I like I like it when I get to plan L, which is lunch. Yeah. Yeah, we're, if you get to L, it is we're lunch. out of letters. When we're out of letters. We <laughs> but no, I mean it's just it is part of the game, it's part of the fun comparing what happened yesterday, comparing what happened last week, um, trying to look forward and duplicate that. Saturday, you landed seven kingfish. I was out there for only an hour and a half and landed three kings next to you. Went back the very next morning, couldn't buy a bite. Yeah. And so Mike, um, yeah, our Mike buddy, he, he struck out also. So same game, same place, same conditions, totally different results. But that's what keeps you coming back for more. It keeps you tuning in to these podcasts to say, what the hell can these guys have to offer? It's just, it's the part, it's what makes the game that we do out there intriguing. It's what keeps you coming back for more. For me, when I have Absolutely. a bad day, I can't wait to get back out there and right the wrong that took place yesterday because I want to go out there and prove <laughs> right that I can wrong. figure it out and put something together. Um, to get back on the track, but you know, this game has been done for years of trying to understand the fish. And I've said it before until we can sit down across this table and prop a redfish up in this chair and <laughs> ask him some questions or her some questions personally, we're going to continue trying to figure it out. Yeah. And, and if you, and, if you think redfish, you know, Trying to figure out redfish is hard. Go try to figure out tarpon. Go try to figure yeah, out one yeah. of those. Hey, yeah. Lord, I'm, I mean, I'm on tarpon one day, and it's just, oh yeah, this is this is it. I got it figured out. I got the pattern. Everything looks good. I went back to the exact same place the very next day, and there were no tarpon to be found. They were gone. Yeah. Everything else was the same. The gaff top were there. The sharks were there. The bait was there. The pelicans were there. The tarpon had left the building. I, I have no idea where they went or what they were doing. And that's why I've told you guys this. Uh, and maybe it's just because, you know, after a while, you know, you've caught your share of fish or whatever. My, the biggest rush I get is just when I do figure it out, I, I might've like plan a might've been a zilch, you know, two hours or whatever plan B might've been a zilch. But when I go, okay, you know, as Scott often says, well, let's look at these conditions somewhere else. Let's look at this and that. And Delaney is, is commenting on it right now. It's the thrill of the chase. When I get to plan C, let's say, and I do figure it out, and 
the plan in my head and I get a couple of bites, even if I don't catch a fish, that's the win for me. I mean, it's like it's the it's the figuring it out, especially when you're throwing, you know, artificials and you've figured out the right bait, the right place and all that stuff. That's what makes it so fun. And that's why, you know, I get as excited now catching a, a, a 17 inch trout as I ever have. Like, like it, it, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I say we invite a speckled trout to be on the show next week. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's find one. Keep them, uh, keep them alive for a while. <laughs> and now introducing speckled trout. Um, this is another good question. And I think we were talking about this off air not long ago. It's about moon phases. Now, we've covered moon phases. But the question I got, and I paraphrased it because it was another long question, does the moon phase affect how early early is in the dog days of summer? And that's one of the things I always look at, uh, you know, what obviously what the wind is doing is, is first. And, and then I look at uh, the pressure. Uh, all due respect, Scott. And then, and then I look at the. And then, uh, uh, my <laughs> I look at what uh, the moon phase is doing to kind of time it out. And Dean, I'm gonna start with you on this one because I think you and I, and I know Scott and I in the past have talked about this. Like, what is early? Because I look at the moon phase and kind of, especially when it's not so hot, kind of decide what time I'm heading out. Interesting question. I mean, that one is not easy to answer, but. The early morning to me, I always get excited the first hour of the morning. You know, that's just like, regardless of what the moon is doing, the early morning is always going to be um, loaded. You're going to have mullet that are active. You're going to have bait fish that you can see. But later in the day, the moon phase has a huge factor in the bite. We've gone through a lot lately where the early morning bite is good. And then you get about two or three hours of kind of slack time after that. And then they kick it into another gear in the afternoon. And that's exactly what's happening right now. We were on the leading up to the full moon all this week. I think last night was the full moon exactly, or maybe today. Tonight is the it super was, moon. It, yeah. it, was, it was amazing this morning as I, I, I rode to Port Aransas and picked up clients over there. And I was riding in just the most awesome moonlight this morning. It was Pretty cool. But, you know, you're sitting there and you're looking at that. And, man, that moon was up all night. It was very bright out there. A lot of theories on how the fish react to that. But the major feeding period, according to the moon, it was two to three today. And, I mean, I had some great action early. It goes slack for a little while. And then I have some buddies of mine that have been wait this week that have been going out in the afternoon. And in spite of the heat... I mean, they're just tearing them up mm -hmm. on the outgoing tide in the middle of the day. So, and then the tide, that's the third or fourth factor. I mean, you mentioned the, the pressure and such as that, but the current, the tidal flow, the wind creates current. If there's no wind, the tide is very important. On real windy days, that wind can kind of override the tide or it'll create some current that'll fill up that slow time so that there's so many variables in that it's hard to pin it down to today tomorrow you just it, it you look at them you consider them and you still go to the spots that you're you rely on to hold some fish and then you see what their reaction is when you get there 
Scott, I'm going to be more specific with you and and, and go ahead and uh, respond to what Dean said there. But if you have a new moon and then if you have a full moon, uh, to me, those are two that that I like a lot. It seems to 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 kind of generate more tidal movement. I don't know uh, the science behind it, but how do you react to a moon phase and when to get out there? Full moon go, like Dean said, early. I mean, early is early. You can whatever you can manage. You know, if yeah. you don't like running in the dark, you know, go right at daylight. If you don't mind running in the dark a little bit, uh, get out there before daylight because you're going to have that slow period. It's, it's the same, same with deer hunting, you know, you're going to see some deer right at daylight and then you're not going to see anything until about 10, 30, 11, 12 o'clock. Uh, then they'll get up and move again. Fish do the same thing. Uh, the new moon, not so, not so important. Uh, I, I catch fish all morning on a new moon. Uh, mm -hmm. you're right about the tides. They are, they're going to be bigger on the new moon and the full moon. That's part of what, why we can. Uh, fish longer and still catch fish during the middle of the day in the heat on a full moon because you've got a bigger tide movement I mean, the tide was just cooking yesterday i was sitting yeah. at the jetties and i had i had my trolling motor set on anchor and i'm looking down and it's it's bumping back and forth between eight nine and ten so it's maxing <laughs> out and when i left i was going backwards uh my anchor spot wouldn't spot lock wouldn't hold me where i needed to be so there was yeah. a huge amount of water leaving the bays yesterday uh, but you got to think too when you do that you got to plan it fishing some cooler water that's moving uh, if you're going to fish that outgoing tide fishing at the mouth of a shallow muddy lake you know that's getting getting sucked out mm -hmm. normally you'd say yeah that's great you know you got you know you got tide movement coming out of a back lake let's fish that you know let's fish at the mouth of that creek that water is super hot and that water there is going to be in the 90s right now and mm -hmm. not a whole lot of life in it. Uh, go try and find you a deeper area that's pulling more bay water, you know, deeper bay water through it. That that would be my suggestion for fishing the tides this time of year. Uh, incoming tide, yeah, you got a much better shot because it's pulling cooler water up onto the flats. Uh, the outgoing tide coming off a of flat this time of year, I'm just, I'm not. Not real thrilled about it it is uh interesting and and uh another great question that we got uh from a listener that we didn't get to last week uh but that's always good it's good to have a little leftovers uh we're gonna talk about all about rigging put i'm gonna put our guys on the spot here uh in just a second but uh i i, I chatted with uh I, I chatted with the jt over at the boatyard uh because he had some stories about uh and this was from a question about a month ago somebody got burned bad uh, when it came to the paperwork, et cetera, buying a new boat. And JT is going to be able to really uh, do a service for our listeners here on avoiding getting burned buying a new boat. There are some like hidden things that you need to look for in the paperwork, in the actual sale that can really mess you up if you don't do it right. So forget the boat aspect and what you're looking for and all that. When you actually pull the trigger on a boat, what are some red flags? What are some things that you'd absolutely have to have because uh, the boat came up. I mean, the topic came up because somebody ended up buying a hot boat and they didn't know about it. Yeah, 100 percent. Paperwork, 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 paperwork. And what do I mean when I say that? Yeah. Uh, your boat that most of the listeners have, they have an outboard motor, the hull and a trailer. 
for each of those things, you have a title. You have a title for the boat. You have a title for the motor. You have a title for the trailer. Uh, a lot of people get screwed over with that. Some people say, man, it's a really good deal. He says he's going to give me the title when he gets it in a couple weeks. Just wait for it. I yeah. promise it's not the hassle. The other thing is, if you're buying a boat from another individual and he said, I have all three titles, it takes two seconds, very easy, will save you a lot of time and a lot of hassle. Look at the physical title and then look at the actual number on the boat. Look at the actual number on the motor. Look at the actual VIN on the trailer. Yeah. Uh, another kind of shady thing that goes on where sometimes people aren't even trying to be shady and sometimes uh, you know, it is just a genuine thing. Yeah. Uh, someone has the trailer title and the trailer is sitting there. Everything looks right on it, but the VIN number has just worn off through the years. Sometimes that can be a pain and sometimes they are the true owner. Uh, one thing you can do is call your local DMV office mm -hmm. and check license plate on the trailer see if it matches the description of the trailer and the name of the person you're buying it from yeah that's really good advice when you're buying it from a dealer i mean i show if you fill out title applications i legally have to register it and title all three boat motor trailer and so when you come by from me there you have application forms for each of those three uh but individual individual man check those numbers they could have three pieces of paperwork and if they're wrong you're in a world of trouble and hassle. <laughs> uh, even for a great deal, if yeah. there's a really expensive boat and you're getting it for a great deal, if the paperwork's even a little funny, I promise it's not worth it. I've I've, I've seen it all, heard it all, been through it all. It sounds it, like you, you know me. I'm just curious. It sounds like you have a horror story or two that you can share. Don't no names, but uh, what are some? What's an example of like, oh my gosh, this guy got taken or it was a stolen boat or something like that? Does anything come to mind? Yeah, I mean, a couple things most of the time, because I, I would just feel terrible if I really <laughs> and people have brought boats here and they say, man, I just got this for a really good deal. And I'm I'm waiting for the paperwork. And I said, man, what? And I and the best thing is I can help you uh, yeah. if you're curious in any sort of way. So we do uh, like an engine inspection, man, if you call me and say, hey, this looks a little shady. Here's the whole number on the actual boat. I can look it up and tell you what name it's under. Oh, that's so, great. That's great service there. Yeah, yeah. If you're dealing with Joe Smith and you're buying a uh, uh, 23 Nautic Star or something like that, and yeah. the star's name is under, I don't know, Jim, whatever, <laughs> that's probably a good sign. You know, something's a little funky in there. Um, yeah, so I could help you out with that. Or whatever you need. Well, that's why you guys are the best over at the boat yard. I give us a, a little shout out to some of the things you got going on there because uh, uh, I'm obviously a very loyal customer, and uh, our listeners really enjoy your your contributions here. What can they get right now? Oh man, just cool stuff like installs. Uh, everything it's so cool because everything's available now. You know, I have customers who have been waiting to repower their boat for a while. Sure, what kind of motor do you? What horsepower? <laughs> No problem. I can get it. Oh, hey, I need a service. Hey, we're not waiting on regular standard service parts anymore. So yeah. and new motors is way easier. It's way funner to do because I don't have to tell someone, sorry, man, it's going to be eight to 12 to 15 weeks, something yeah. like that. Uh, accessory installs, power pulls and 
and all of the above, everything we provide, fiberglass work, aluminum, upholstery, installs, outboard service, warrant, outboard warranty repairs. Uh, it's it's uh, me and Mark up front here doing a great job. Everyone's leaving happy, which is what we like to see all the time. Yeah, and trust me on that. I've, I've been uh, uh, behind the scenes, so to speak, over at the boatyard. You got that gel coat working, man. Uh, you, you, got it, you got it working. We really appreciate it. That's uh, that's JT Koshy from the boatyard. Uh, go see my friends over there. Let's get back to the podcast. All right, boys. Uh, let's uh, let's put you on the spot here. That's me tapping my papers in front of me like uh, authoritatively. Doesn't that look oh, so official when I type? I feel like I'm in second grade time? when you do that, yeah. and I'm about to get sent to the principal. Dean, I hope you brought enough for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've heard that before. <laughs> All right, so the, let let let's let's prove to our listeners uh, that we really want you to catch fish. Not a lot of secrets here. That's what I think is the success behind the podcast. Guys, I want to know all about rigging. Uh, and basically, uh, the question is, uh, bay fishing, leader, no leader, types of leader, depending on the fish, lures, uh, your favorite in certain scenarios. Let's let's stick to, because we can go for a whole show on this, but let's stick to this time of year right now, helping our listeners catch fish. Paddle tail versus rat tail. What are your jetty rigs? How much, how heavy is the the, the leader there? How long is it? What is your line weight in certain scenarios? This is a true meat and potatoes topic. Dean, I'm going to start with you. You can pick any of these, but let's talk inshore right now. And uh, you're, you're rigging. How do you I rig? I thought you said we were going to keep this simple. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's why you went to the principal's office all the time. <laughs> you don't want to hear about my school days, man. That's why I became a fisherman. <laughs> Because school wasn't working out for me. Yeah, um, yeah, they'd call your mom and she'd say, again? They knew my mom at school better than they knew me. <laughs> uh, but so where I'm at down here on the South Texas Flats, it's it. we don't really shift gears for the seasons. I mean, the fish stay on the grass beds all year. Um, and it's a real simple rig for what I use. I mean, it's braided line with a 20-pound fluorocarbon leader. The fluorocarbon leader I use is about 18 inches. I don't like the knot to go into the tip of the rod. Um, a loop knot, or it's a line-to-line -line knot to the braid. I don't like leaders. I don't like terminal tackle interfering with the action of the lure. Uh, it's a loop knot on the lure itself, so it has a lot of freedom to swim around. And the, the fluorocarbon is not steering the lure. It's not following the fluorocarbon. It has its own freedom to move around paddle tails are great to throw and retrieve because the paddle puts all of the action it creates all the vibration and it mimics a swimming fish very well if i'm jigging if i'm bumping the bottom if i'm going slow in deeper water i really like a rat tail where i'm popping it and let it settle down and come back up and down i prefer a rat tail in that situation the top waters are the go-to for drifting these ultra shallow crystal clear flats that i'm on they avoid snags they float above the grass but it's the same rig you know 18 inches of fluorocarbon with a loop knot single hooks i take the trebles off all my top waters and put single hooks we have floating grass that fouls up your lures 
during the summer right now the grass is it'll drive you crazy with trebles there's boat traffic that's chopping up the grass in the morning when the water is cooler the grass doesn't float to the top once it gets to be about 10 o'clock as the water heats up all of that grass floats to the surface and it can be quite aggravating so um single hooks on those and then what was the next question well let me get let me go to scott on this <laughs> scott if you have anything to add on that we're from the mid-coast uh, perspective but also uh jetty jetty rigs and i'm sure they're talking about uh jacks and kingfish and and such so uh spill the beans man uh my jetty rigs if i'm if i know i've got tarpon around i'm gonna go with 60 it, most of the time 60 pound fluorocarbon tied direct to my braid i've got you know appropriate size rods and reels you know 4,000, 5,000 size spinning gear uh the 300 tranks 400 tranks uh those are going to be the the go-to's for the bait casters uh if I'm thinking I'm going to get into the really big tarpon on the beachfront where we're going to fight them for a little while and uh, they're going to have more time to chew on that leader, I might go with an 80-pound fluorocarbon for that. Uh, the jacks and stuff, whatever I'm rigging for the tarpon, I just use the same for jacks. Uh, if you got kingfish in there, you're going to need a little steel on there. They're going to cut you off if you don't. The leader thing, man, it sucks because you have to have a knot and you have to have a long, long leader and it does bang on your, your guides quite a bit, but there's really no way around it because on a tarpon, if you go with say a three foot leader and you've got a four or five foot tarpon and during the fight, he's going to tail, tail bang on that, that knot. And he's going to be beating up your, your braid braids tough, but it's, it gets abraded pretty easy by those tails. And so you need that longer leader, whatever length fish you think you're catching uh you need a leader longer than that so they're they're tail slapping that leader instead of that braid because the braid will give it up i'm experimenting with knots all the time i'm playing with them i've been doing the fg knot we've talked about that in the past uh, there's some good videos on how to tie it it works great on the small stuff in the base uh on the 60 and 80 pound leader material on the fluorocarbon it works it's tight it works really well for a little bit but after some casting, I'm finding that it's coming unwound. Uh, yeah. So I'm playing around with some different different deals on that. Uh, a go-to is you know a uni to uni. That that'll it's solid. It's not going to come unraveled on you. Only problem with it is it's a little big going through the the guides. Uh, if you're throwing a spinning rod, it's not so bad. If you're throwing a bait caster, it, it'll it'll catch on it quick pretty good. I've tried four or five different knots on that, but mm -hmm. in the bays, I, I go with a longer leader than what Dean does, but I use that, that FG knot and it goes through the guides. You don't even notice it hardly. And that, what that does, it keeps me from having to tie on a new leader. You know, when people want to change lures or they get nicked up on some oysters or yeah, you just clip a little bit here and there. Yeah. Flip a little bit off and I can go multiple trips without having to change any leaders. But what I mean, <laughs> Dean is shaking his head. Go ahead, jump in. I it takes literally one minute to put a new leader on. So <laughs> it's whenever when I hear that cast and I hear that knot go tick 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 through those eyes, it drives me crazy, man. I want to snap the whole fishing pole in half and throw it. <laughs> um, but to clip the line, 
I keep a spool of fluorocarbon right there on the dash to clip it, tie a new one on. Um, I, I it's just I at to each his own, I guess. If I do if I do the uh, the other knots. Yeah, they, they bug the hell out of me. I can't stand it. But the FG knot actually does slide through there really easy, and you don't you don't hear it. I can hear it, but it's not. Maybe a click, yeah, here. maybe. It, I not, love the dissension. I love here, the dissension among our captains. He's I like mean, shaking his head, no. I guess. <laughs> either way works. I mean, both ways work. They <laughs> both work. Yeah. They both the, work. The one no-no is putting I've always, damn swivel on there. Don't put a swivel uh, yeah. on there. Wibble will actually affect the action of the lure. Uh, what pound test on your braid? I'm thinking that's near shore. That's jetty type stuff from Glenn. On the jetty stuff, I've, I've been using some 40 and up to 65. Just kind of depends on which rig it is. You know, if it's a rig where I think I'm going to be going after the really big tarpon and we're going to put some heat on them, uh, I'm talking, you know, 150 pound fish. I'm going to go ahead and go with the 65. The uh, jetty fish, the smaller juveniles, uh, 40 is more than enough. Uh, that's not a problem. Uh, in the bays, on my bait casters, I go 30, mainly because it's easier to pick a backlash out. And on the spinning rigs, I go with a 20. Yeah, man, I've been going lighter on my line, and you're not lying about the, some of those backlashes. You really have to know your stuff to get them out of there. Uh, yeah. Or, yeah it, 20's, it's tough. 20 is tough. 20 can get tough yeah. to pick out. It's minuscule. Uh, um, and so, so Dean, one last thing on this, uh, when you're, when you're rigging, I'm curious, and I never asked you this, do you use the, uh, the spinning reels on your near shore stuff and the jetties because of that? Is that a factor? Because it's, it's, it's got the bigger, you know, uh, eye holes, whatever you want to call them. Uh, and, and it's not good. It's going to be easier for your leaders to run through there. I use them just because they're easy. No, I, so out there for the Kingfish, it's a wire leader and it also does not go through the eyes it's uh I, it, and so with the wire leader it's it's easy it's, to just let it it's out it's a bite tip it it is yeah. just for, it's just for the teeth for the, the the teeth protection so and i will make those a little longer maybe about 3 feet um on the wire but the spinner the reason i use the spinners out there is the gear ratio the big handle and the um, it just seems like you get more torque, more energy on the long handle opposed to um, the baitcaster style. It's just, um, it's got more, it seems yeah. like it's got more cranking power yeah. with the spinning rod, the way the handle is made. And it's a 6,000 spinner. I mean, it's a big spinning reel. It's the pin battle too. And it's got an amazing line capacity. Again, you know, I've never actually measured how many hundreds of yards it takes to fill that thing up. But because it's relatively light action, and so we're trolling on the boat, if you hook into a kingfish that's 40 inches long, the initial strike peels off a massive yeah. amount of line off that reel. I mean, it is going nonstop for, you know, 20 to 30 seconds. They just don't stop in the beginning. So, you have to, and it, uh, that rig is not something that the boat is going to stand still and fight that fish back to the boat. I turn the boat to the fish and we actually chase them down and put some line back on the reel until we get on top of that fish. 
and then that's when the the real torque takes place so it's a lot it's um it's a process it's getting the strike getting the rod in the angler's hand turning the boat to the fish and then start putting some line back on the reel. And when you're putting it back on, I mean, sometimes it's crank as fast as you can because I'm moving the boat to that fish and you got to keep pressure on that fish. You cannot take pressure off, but you've got to get line back on the spool at the same time. And then the fish is not always going to play by the rules. You know, you might get halfway there and fish decides it's headed to Cuba all of a sudden and the whole process starts all over again. Yeah, you're telling me. Uh, I, the, I mentioned we hooked up eight and landed seven. The one we didn't land, I got spooled. And and it was and it, part of it is another kind of lesson here. Uh, um, I you know we only put as you do, Dean, and I'm sure Scott. Uh, when it's just two people on the boat, we only put one line in the water for, for a number of reasons, including getting tangled up and crossed and all that stuff. But you're you know you you hook a fish. Okay, we're on. You know, she came around the boat. I said, hold the rod. I'm going to turn the boat because it was clearly a big fish at that point. By the time I got to the helm, pop. I mean, you know, it it was that fast. And that was kind of a rookie mistake, too, by me. I should have tightened down the drag when I gave it to her, and I didn't. Uh, But, but Scott, I didn't know your thoughts on that. Do you you just put one in if it's just a couple of people? I'll usually run at least two. Yeah. You run across schools and you end up doubling up. It it can get to be a circus. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> hell, it's, it's still fun. Yeah. But see, I didn't have anybody to reel in the other rod. I, I gave her the rod, got to the helm, was going to chase it down. If we had another rod out, you know, I'd have been doing yeah. both at the same time. <laughs> trying to get that, That's what I was going to say. If I have another person on the boat who then can you grab can that ex- and deal yeah. with that situation while we're dealing with the other situation, you got less situations to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> say it's that again. I'm not sure we all got that. I can't repeat. I, I, don't even, I can't repeat that. Now, if there is, if there is somebody else that you can say, grab that rod, yeah, keep it yeah. out of the way, and reel that in while we deal with um, getting, because you know, number one priority is getting a good hook set on that fish, and um, and landing the fish. It's a heartbreaker when you go through all that and you get the strike and something goes wrong. And if those lines get together. You got a mess You're done. that is You're done. not coming apart. <laughs> you, you are, are not going to undo that. You got yeah. two rods that are going in the holder, and you better have two more. Yeah, exactly. But like I said earlier, the second rod that I run will be on a short line on top with mm-hmm. an X wrap. Another one that I've considered, I was having this conversation with my buddy, with Drew next to me over there at the marina who was out there trolling yeah, with us, yeah, yeah. would be like a chugger, like – um. A, a troller with a cup on the front of it. The X wrap just skips on the surface. It doesn't create a lot of bubble trail. It just it's it's pointed on the front, so mm-hmm. it just kind of skips along on top. I'm gonna get. I, I think on the next couple of days I'm gonna pick me up some chuggers that just will make some serious more, yeah. noise back there and troll that one in the bubble trail. And see what kind of reaction I get on the kingfish. Well, speaking of the next couple of days, go ahead. There's some that look like a little squid, you know, kind of. They don't have a chugger head. They're just, just all they're flat plastic, and they've got a little head on them. And I'll take a a half ounce or three quarter ounce uh, egg sinker and shove it up inside that head, and then run my line through that onto a hook. You troll that behind it, and it stays up on top, and it kind of, you know. 
the skirt is wiggling. It's got a big long skirt on it, and it wiggles pretty good. It makes a makes a bit of a bubble trail, but uh, I've had a lot of luck on that with kingfish. That sounds like a plan. I've never never even seen that. Um, we're gonna speaking of uh, the this next few days, we're gonna get to what would Scott do and what would Dean do. But Scott, I gotta hear this boat ramp confessional, man. Uh, you you had one. <laughs> Uh, you had one. Uh, it sounds like uh, pretty interesting, but and I don't know anything about it. So fill us in. I, I had a couple couple listeners, and uh, I told Josh I wouldn't say his name, but uh, okay. So we won't we were, say Josh's uh, name. Yeah, <laughs> we just got out there on the beach front. We'd been fishing around the jetties and you know messing with the jacks and all that stuff. It really wasn't going off much. So I said, all right, let's let's go look for the tarpon. And oh, we so got out in the, the jetties. Boat. In the beginning, oh, yeah. And yeah. then we moved over to the beachfront. And we're, I, I stopped the boat. You know, we saw some tarpon rolling, so I shut down the boat. And uh, he's up there. You know, that, that general's got that nice walk-around edge on mm -hmm. it. Gunnels, yeah. And he's standing on the gunnel with his back to the water facing oh, me. No. And he's, he's going to grab a rod. And, you know, because the tarpon are rolled up. And we're getting set up for it and he, he kind of looks at me and he has he has this little moment where he kind of leans backwards a little bit and then catches himself and he's back and forth and he wobbles for a second and then he's look, looks at me like okay i got it and i thought that he was leaning forward to grab a hold of the, the center console you know the grab rail that's what it looked like he was doing <laughs> he felt like he was good enough to just to stand there well, the next little wave that came along you know, wasn't rough out there by any means. It was, you know, one to twos at probably six seconds. So it was, but it was just enough of a tilt on that boat when it when that next wave came up that it put him off balance just a little bit. And he had this look, like a panic look for a second, and then a look of resignation. Yeah, yeah, it's done. Went, he just went backwards in the water. <laughs> <laughs> and the only thing sticking up was one hand and my rod and reel. So I reached, out I reached out, I got my rod and reel, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, he pops to the surface. He says, it's deep. <laughs> <laughs> he thought he was going to fall in, touch bottom, and then pop back up. Well, it, we were in 10, 12 feet of water. And uh, <laughs> it's deep. the next question was, where's your swim platform? I said, I ain't got a swim platform. <laughs> so, well, ain't no fin swim platform. You know what? I hadn't thought of that. That's right. You got to yeah, really, so, yeah, give him a helping he, hand there. Yeah, well, I helped him. And, <laughs> or did you? <laughs> you know, I, gave, I gave him an elbow, and he grabbed a hold of, a, of my arm and kind of flipped himself back into the boat. But what was funniest was right before that, his buddy that was with him said, you know, before I step off the front end of this boat somewhere, I'm going to go ahead and put my phone up. And Josh said, yeah, me too. And they both took their phones out of their pockets and put them in the console. It was a very good move. That is always a good. I never, ever, ever. I, it's always like either in the in the seat, in the uh, the leaning post, or or on the console. Ever. Uh, so, Dean, the missus asks from Sean and Dwayne Clark uh, if you can uh, please feed the dolphin for her. She's afraid uh, it's going to starve. Yeah. So, so they were out. It was just a couple of days ago. Um, they were out on the boat with me and. Um, and Shauna, she was, um, she had a little dolphin experience, man. And so, um, the dolphins were there and she threw her fishing pole down. She's like, I don't care about these damn fish. She's like, I'm feeding a dolphin. Um, <laughs> she, um, 
she, but it was crazy. This dolphin, and it was funny because she even made the comment that it was acting like an otter. It was, and I thought that the was it upside the down otter reference would fit in real good. So this dolphin comes up to the side of the boat and she's slapping her hand in the water. I got, I've got pictures and video of the whole thing. And this dolphin rolls over like a puppy and just puts his belly up like it wanted its belly rubbed. And it just, it, it, it hung around for quite a while. That's um, gotta be so. the same dolphin that, that, and I don't know, I don't know if I told you guys this story. So one of the last kingfish we caught, Jan had a pretty big one on and, and we had it right by the side. And she, of course she's talking to the dolphin the whole time. Go away. My fish. You got other fish. Yeah, go away. You know how they are. And, and, and no, 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 no. She kept going because <laughs> the dolphin just kept coming. You could see him come from a hundred yards away. You know, because they're yeah, coming up for air and, and they're coming and, right at the boat. And she goes, I'm gonna get I my fish. Hurt, um, I hope I didn't hurt Shauna's dolphins feelings today because I actually had um a skipjack, a ladyfish that we had caught, and I was really just teasing the dolphin, <laughs> and I never did feed the dolphin the um <laughs> the fish, just kind of dolphins but, it's a love-hate relationship it is because they're gorgeous they, they but were, they were swarming the boat today so yeah out there on the lydian channel in front of the lighthouse it is just congested with the dolphins so every speckled trout that goes back in the water is eaten instantly you gotta be real careful I mean, it, that them. day whenever you and i had that little problem with them biting them it's 10 yeah. times worse in the lydian channel oh really i even cranked up the boat and ran a mile down the shoreline and before i could stop the boat there they were i think they were swimming 30 miles an hour alongside well, they me. they were coming from a mile away she goes is it going to get my fish? Is it going to get my fish? I said, oh, yeah. Obviously it was, but I said, yeah. no, 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 no. Because I wanted her just to focus on, yeah. you know, getting and it. I, actually I said, no, you'll be all right. One. You'll be right. Yeah. Well, we get him up to the side and he does that. He rolls over on his belly and and he didn't even like grab and, and maul the kingfish. He like put it in his mouth like, mm, this is going to be good. He had it in his <laughs> mouth just for a second and then would let it go. And she's screaming. And then, you know, I was trying to grab it. And it comes up again. So I pulled out my hand and he did the same thing. Just kind of mouth like gummed, gummed the kingfish, like just to get a, just to get a little taste. And it was like, you could just see it go. Mm, and it was upside down the whole time. Like, this is going to be delicious when they release this. One. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like a little appetizer, a little teaser. What would Scott do? Look, uh, I could be wrong. Uh, it wouldn't be the first time. Looks like the wind might pick up a little bit this uh, end of this week. Scott, I don't know what you're seeing. And I hadn't even looked, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's picking up some. It's not getting crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, probably a little bit too much to be on the beachfront early. Maybe in the middle of the day, it might be all right. You know, right. Showing, showing That's what I got. Less than 15, you know, 12, 13. That's right on the edge of what I like for the tarpon because at 12 to 13, you start getting those little bitty wind white caps. And yeah. that just makes it really hard to see rolling fish. Uh, every little white cap looks like a rolling fish to you, and uh, yeah. it, it can kind of throw you off a little bit. I, I mean, the jetties will be fine. Uh, staying inside the jetties, fishing the edges of them, that that'll work as well. If you like gaff top, just <laughs> I can tell you, just go to the beach and throw something in the water because <laughs> I've never seen so many gaff top as we've had here recently. Uh, that kid <laughs> trip yesterday. 
I went to the jetties and we were going to do the mangrove thing. That's what I wanted to do and just mm -hmm. couldn't, couldn't get on. Went two or three of my little spots for the mangroves. They just weren't happening. And so I told dad, I said, we're going to make a little Hail Mary and hopefully the gaff topper's still there because they were aggressive enough. They were eating our tarpon lures the other day. And so oh, we wow. made a run down the beach and sure enough, first cast, I don't even think the shrimp made it to the bottom and we had the first gaff top on the second gaff top immediately. Uh, so I was kind of the hero there, but yeah, they're, if you like playing with a gaff top, they were some pretty solid ones too. And they're, those are good eating. I mean, people, people kind of turn their nose up at them cause they're slimy, but those are real good white meat, good eating fish. Yeah. Uh, trout reds go early, uh, fish the drop offs. Uh, if you're going to go polling or looking for redfish, they're kind of schooled up. Uh, been seeing a few schools here and there, uh, up shallow. And, but they're, like I said, they're done by 9 30, 10 o'clock most days. The day I start believing the forecast four days out, you can call the cookie truck for me because, uh, <laughs> but tomorrow looks amazing. Um, I actually have, um, guys that want to go for kingfish tomorrow and hit the jetties and stuff like that so we're looking at three mile an hour for tomorrow morning but yeah not sure what the um what's happening in the atmosphere but the forecast does show for some wind coming up but you know i've been wa wanting some wind for the flats for drifting yeah. the days that i'm on the flats that we aren't going you know out to the jetties and messing around over there when it's dead calm on the flats and it gets past eight o'clock in the morning, yeah, it's you're done. just, I mean, you're on the troll motor and you're, you're, it, you're, the fish know you're there. They see you from much further away. And I just, I always want some breeze. So if it gets windy, you know, we're past the full moon, that's going to be a little bit of a challenge. I don't know how that works for everybody else. That's my own personal superstition. The week after the full moon is always the toughest for me. Yeah. Um, but some wind will counteract that, create a little current. So um, if it blows, you just shift gears and you deal with it. We always hope for that blue water coming in this time of year and get out there. But if it blows, uh, you take the next best available option. Yeah, uh, for sure. Anything to add before we get out of here, boys? Uh, Scott, you got anything? I know um we're gonna have some stuff uh as i mentioned earlier uh at the uh at the feeding friends you probably have some bite me gear as well i got some shirts i'm looking at right now that we'll toss into some of those things but what's happening anything uh you need to mention for sure here scott yeah the, the credit card bill just came through and camille bought apparently a thousand dollars worth of hats to sell at the deal so uh, there we go <laughs> there we go get your bite, we'll me hat. bite me hats for sale at the uh at the thing uh, I thought you were going to say she had a new tennis bracelet to wear at the frenzy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was. I'm sure she's got plenty of that. A lot of hats. Yeah. I don't know how many hats that is, but, but it's, it was expensive. And, well, that's uh, going to be good. Everybody can pick up a hat there. Uh, and yeah. slow ride guide uh, is uh, blowing and going. You've been, you've been killing it. Uh, people can reach you probably best on social media, right? Dean? Yeah. Yeah. Through uh, messenger and such. And, you know, we're, we're scheduling for October and November now. I mean, so if you have dates, you have, if you have stuff in mind um, and your dates or, or if you have a thing, you know, it's best to call and put them on the calendar 
and we plan for as much um, in advance as possible. We have lodging. We got all that to go with it. So, you know, love to help everybody put their trip together. And I know from personal experience that Dean even cleans uh, the lodging. Next week is uh, is going to be, I think Caleb's going to be back, and it's going to be right up against uh, the Bobby Feeding Frenzy. We love you guys uh, coming out and joining us live uh, and uh, on the recording. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you next time.